Hey there. Welcome to my podcast Aerolives. This is your host Anurag and you are listening to the third episode of this podcast. Uh before I begin I want to thank everyone who has given their immense love and support to the first two episodes. Uh this this really means a lot to me and also motivates me to work even more harder for the future projects. Thus thank you everyone once again. Now as you all know in this podcast I will discuss with and interview significant people in the field of aviation and space together we will tell you stories and educate you further about aircrafts rockets and satellites those who fly in them and also those who build them as a whole so let's begin Today's guest is Tim Crawford from Troy, Michigan. Tim is a licensed private pilot working in aero- aerospace field for many years with almost 3 years experience in flying aeroplanes. Together with his wife, they own and operate education company that provides training for teachers with struggling readers. In private, he is a father of 4 who loves to have flight adventures, ski and mountain bike together. As you will learn to know in this podcast Tim truly loves aviation and is always looking forward to helping others as he said himself his goal is leaving a positive mark on aviation while continuing to keep the mindset of a learner pilot it's a great goal Tim and i i truly want to convey my thanks to you for being an inspiration to me and other aviation enthusiasts around the globe as a word of introduction to the audience could you uh, kindly tell us please like what's the best part of being a pilot and what are the advantages and disadvantages of this work yeah well thanks again for having me on our it's uh, appreciate that and i know it's late for you over there so uh, that's I, i appreciate you making time for me um i i would say that the number one thing that i hear from most pilots when they get their license or as they're working towards their license is the idea of freedom um that you experience when you're flying i don't think there's anything like it um when you're ground based there's nothing that makes you feel more free than when you're flying an airplane and i would say that's the number one thing that i really appreciate about flying um, and wow. it's a great community as you've probably experienced the community is amazing truly like i i like i have been having uh, close contacts with uh, amazing and incredible pilots like you lately and it's it's truly an and and pleasure a pleasure to have you all around and yeah truly thank you for answering to this okay uh uh, uh, uh another question so when i was a kid i always used to think that there are parachutes for for passenger available in case of emergency like hidden somewhere on the seat uh, but then i found out that there aren't any so what's what's the reason behind it yeah you know i i'll try and speak on behalf of the airlines but i think with parachutes there's a lot of problems um you know obviously depending on what terrain you're over people exiting an airplane with a parachute uh could be pretty dangerous especially when you start talking about 
you know, large numbers of passengers that you see in commercial airlines. Um, but, you know, the number one thing I think you'll learn as a pilot is that planes don't just fall out of the sky if you lose an engine. Uh, that's not typical, and especially in a commercial airliner where they have multiple engines, they have uh, plenty of power and time to get that aircraft down safely. And even in a private plane where you have one engine, when you lose it, you can glide yourself down to the ground and, and typically find yourself a, a, a reasonable plot to put the, the plane down safely. Um, so, and then keep in mind with parachutes, uh, at least here in the U.S., it requires that they be pulled and repacked after a certain amount of time, and that can be very costly to make sure that they are up to date. So I, I think in general, um, it, it, it's just not a, uh, it's one of those things with in flying where we look at risk management and you do a cost benefit analysis on everything. And I think the cost benefit just isn't there for personal parachutes. Now they have obviously went and created parachutes for the planes. So that's a lot different now than it used to be. Oh, now, now I know more about it. Thank you very much for sharing. Okay. I'll, I'll pass it on to someone who will ask me in the future about uh, the parachute thing. Okay. Since uh, we are talking about dealing with uh, emergency situation, uh, is there any kind of turbulence Uh, which can concern the pilot like have you encountered it yourself in the past yeah i think in general turbulence is is a non-issue uh for the airplane the airplanes are are designed to have a lot of flex in the wings um and in the general structure of the aircraft they can handle a uh, pretty high loads what you do want to make sure of is that you're not exceeding the speed at which you should be flying, which we call maneuverability speed uh, or VA. You want to make sure you stay below that if you're in some pretty heavy turbulence. Um, and for obvious reasons, that in, you know increased speed would increase the load on the wings. Um, and the number one thing they tell you is just just try to keep you know the airplane stable, you know, with the, the good side up because you're going to be bouncing around, maybe changing altitudes, um, airspeed will change with turbulence. Um, and you got to kind of let that happen and let the airplane ride that out. But for the most part, you just want to keep reasonable control on the aircraft in bad turbulence. But in general, uh, most turbulence that we experience as pilots, whether private or commercial, um, generally has, if anything, it's just uncomfortable for the passengers, but provides minimal risk to the airplane or the pilots. I see, I see. Wow, that's that's uh, something great to learn. Uh, okay, uh, uh, next question is something that my friends suggested to ask. So as we know on uh, road cars and other means of transportation honk to warn each other or to inform about something, uh, do aircraft have a horn? Uh, if yes, uh, is it used to alert other aircrafts? Good question. Um, typically, airplanes don't have a horn. Now, that being said, some have fashioned horns to their aircraft um, more for fun, you know, just to announce their presence at a fly-in or, or something fun. But typically, airplanes do not come with horns. And how we would communicate 
to other pilots in the area or to ground uh, ground personnel is typically through radio. You know, so airplanes are equipped with two-way radios um, and you can announce your position in a traffic pattern or where you are geographically, you know, on this radio as long as other people are on the same frequency. And that's typically how we would get people to have attention of where we are or relative to their position. Um, I will say this, there is one horn that is on a plane. It's called a stall horn. I don't know if you've heard of that before. Um, but once you get to a certain slow speed or um, I shouldn't say speed, but a certain angle of attack um, that starts to precede a stall, you'll start to hear a horn go off in the airplane. It's kind of a, a long, whiny sound uh, to let you know that, hey, correct your pitch and your and your speed or else you're gonna potentially stall the airplane. So that's the only horn and that's all personal to the cabin. It's not external. I see, I see. Thank you for sharing. This This reminds me of an incident that uh that i i like counted in and when i was a kid so like i was flying uh from kolkata where i live right now it's like west bengal and uh, kolkata is the capital city of west bengal and my hometown is agartala where uh, i have to birth and it's like the second smallest city of india it's in the northeast so i was like flying back to uh, agartala from kolkata and i was like very uh, it was children's day so 14 November is considered as the Children's Day uh, here in India. So I was very curious to know what's going on. Like they were giving gift and everything. And I was very curious to know like who owns planes and like who is the head of all of it. Because I, I wanted to go to him and ask. Uh, I wanted to ask him for more gifts and everything. I thought I'll, I'll get a huge laptop or a mobile uh, uh, from, from the person. I, I thought there is like an, uh, a Santa Claus who is giving gifts for children. So I asked the air hostess uh, that, uh, ma'am, can you please uh, make me meet with someone who is like the head of all of it? And I don't know why the air hostess, like she smiled and uh, she took me uh, to meet one of the uh, airline captains uh, there. And like I, I told him uh, that, sir, is there any way I can get more or something else? And he said, well, uh, we can't uh, give you anything else, but we can let you inside, uh, get you, get you inside the cockpit. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, uh, and I said, he said, once we get down, uh, we will let you get inside of it. And I said, uh, like, why not now? And he said, that no, it's it's not possible for us to get inside of of the cop cockpit when uh, the plane is like flying uh, or on 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 the sky. So, like, is is it true? Like, we can't get inside of a cockpit when it's having uh, uh like a flight or something. Yeah, it's and. It... I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it, you have similar rules in place um, in India, but as far as the FAA and um, EASA in Europe are concerned, yeah, that's legally now what they do is they shut the cockpit door and you have zero access to the cockpit during flight. Now, pre-boarding, um, they typically have the door open and you can meet the pilots and, and kind of peek your head in and take a look at the cockpit, which is really neat. But since 9-11, that all changed uh, here in the States and also um, overseas as well. And they removed that option to allow the cockpit to be accessible. Um, so now it requires 
a lot of moving parts just to allow the pilot even to come out and use the restroom and go back in, you know? So it's, it's a lot different these days. I see. I see that, that arises one more question in my mind. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being so uh, kid like, so, uh, so if a pilot feels like going to a washroom or something, so after he is out, like, is there any unique code or something for him to get inside of the cockpit so that like regular passengers can't uh, access it if they want to? That I don't know the exact answer to, but I would suspect there is, um, you know, some agreed to code or, or knock or who knows what, but I, I would assume they have to know that that's the uh, pilot on the other side of that door. Um, and, and nowadays with the modernization of aircraft, I'm guessing it's as simple as, you know, they make a call through a, a mic on the outside of the door and, and they recognize, you know, that pilot or provide a pilot number and they get access. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, sharing this great uh, things with all of the audience who will be listening to us. So, uh, as we know, a uh, pilot not always have to operate plane actively like in some uh, some situation they can use autopilot right so could you please elaborate on how does autopilot work and do all, all aeroplane uh, have, have this uh, autopilot feature in them yeah auto autopilots are um, you know they've been around for quite a while now um, but still not every plane is equipped with an autopilot um, most what they call technically advanced aircraft or TAA aircraft do come equipped with autopilots. Um, the newer Garmin aircraft that have the G1000s or the NXI uh, version cockpits, they'll typically have that integrated as part of that system. And the way it works is essentially there are servos that control the different axes of the aircraft because an airplane flies in several different axes, right? You've got pitch, you've got yaw along the vertical, and then you've got roll along the longitudinal. Um, and those are controlled by different inputs. So your roll is your ailerons, you know, that, that allow the airplane to bank and turn. Uh, yaw is your putter, your rudder controls. And then your pitch is your elevator. Most Airplanes like the one I fly um, typically only controls two of those axes, the pitch and the roll. And they do that with servos that attach to the controls that I am holding. And once you engage the autopilot, the servos take over and they're doing it in relation to inputs that you put into the cockpit uh, or into the glass cockpit. So it might be doing it off some navigation that I've got preset. It could be doing it off a heading that I have preset. Um, so you have to make sure you know, you know, how it's planning to fly that airplane. And then it's got a little red button that allows you to hit that and disengage the autopilot at any time to make sure that you can take the controls back if it's not doing what you want it to do. Um, but yeah, there's still planes out there without autopilots and uh, some of the older airplanes that do have autopilots, a lot of the times they're they're not working or they're inoperative. Um, but the one I fly personally, the Diamond, has a working autopilot and um, and it's based on two, two control, uh, two different axes that have, of control, the pitch and the roll. 
wow that that's very interesting i'm i'm sure most of the people listening were aware uh, weren't aware of it wow so like uh, 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 like i i really like i'm amazed to know more about this feature so how often uh, are you flying with this autopilot feature and and also can you like leave the cockpit when autopilot is on like in movies some people are like showing that uh, they are like putting the planes on on uh, some feature probably autopilot and like then fighting and then again c- coming back and having control on it so is it like all science fiction or like uh, you can like leave the cockpit with autopilot on or like you can't someone has to be there to uh, navigate uh, the the airplane yeah i mean so your first part was how often do you fly with them and i would say that you know you you can fly with depending on the aircraft uh, especially in commercial they might get to 200 feet off the ground and engage the autopilot and not turn it back off until they're 200 feet from the ground you know landing somewhere else so they could be on autopilot for a significant portion of the flight uh, for someone like me that flies a smaller you know diamond airplane um i'm probably only engaging that on a long cross country somewhere and i'm doing that when i'm typically just in level flight or a long descent um but that's typically the extent of which i'll use the autopilot as far as walking away from the cockpit um you're still required as pilot in command to monitor the airplane's flight so even if i had autopilot on small plane i'm not walking away from the cockpit i'm sitting there um, i'm not leaving that cockpit but in a larger plane where you have two pilots um yeah if you have autopilot on it it would be reasonable for one pilot to walk away to grab a coffee or use the restroom and ha- still have one pilot always monitoring the system you could never have no pilot monitoring the system you still have to be in charge of that airplane i see okay okay thank you very much sir for like making me understand so much about autopilot one more question that that is related to autopilot can an aeroplane uh, land in autopilot mode like is it is it possible like you two pilots are regulating the system uh, like seeing uh, w- looking over the system and still like can it uh, uh, land in autopilot mode no so your autopilots today still cannot land the aircraft um i say that with the caveat so for example the autopilot i fly can get me pretty low to the ground you know probably within minimums of of the flight but you still have um when you go to land there's a certain amount of required feel and input when you go to flare slow the airplane down just to blow a stall point and touch the wheels down that requires a lot of input from the pilot that being said there are new systems out there one is called the Garmin Autoland system i don't know if you've heard of that but essentially you could be flying around with your wife let's say i'm the pilot i become incapacitated i lay back she can click this autoland button Uh, I think they're on like the the uh Cirrus Vision jet has them and I think some of the newer Piper um M600s have them. Um and essentially once they push that button it communicates with um local ATC. Um it figures out which airport it can go land at based on the distance and based on safe runway lengths and winds. 
and it makes its way to that airport and lands the plane without any pilot input. And that's called the auto land feature. And I think commercially, the only plane that I'm aware of that I had the chance of flying was the A320, the Airbus, that also has an auto land feature as well. Wow. Like the, like some uh, basic things are like different in, in like a small aeroplane and like uh uh like the commercial ones like for sure there are difference like uh, in in the techniques and in in the technology in a cargo aircraft and commercial right like there are basic difference there as well right oh yeah yeah obviously the systems become so so much more complex at the commercial level you know than at the private level absolutely wow wow so like piloting a plane can put a person in many dangerous situations i i think uh, most of our listeners uh, heard about uh, accidents happening in the year which are like now does not happen doesn't happen at all but some people are like so shaken by this happenings that they fear to get on board uh, of an aircraft and basically like here uh, in india a lot of people are scared when the plane is taking off and uh, like scared of the events that happened in the past uh, and like they are really scared of flying alone in in in, in uh, like in the aeroplane so uh, i wonder is there anything pilots fear the most and uh, what is it yeah i think you know statistically speaking flying is a, a very safe endeavor um you know if i'm sure if you looked at the numbers in india it's probably not much different than it is here in the states as far as deaths related to auto accidents i'm sure it's you know here it's pretty it's pretty bad you know when you look at the death counts and related to auto accidents and the percentage chance of dying in that versus flying as far as pilots are concerned i think our biggest fear is i would say out of all the different phases of flight during takeoff losing an engine during takeoff is probably the biggest fear we have as pilots um just because you're not far from the ground you lose an engine um your first reaction might be to pull back on the stick to try and keep the air the airplane in the air um but that's really not the best move you just you just want to get it to best glide and and find a spot to land it safely if you can but you don't have a lot of time to react when you get an engine out on a takeoff I would say that's as a pilot probably the one of the biggest worries you would have. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I see like like uh yeah, like statistically I was also looking at at the records and like plane accidents nowadays are like happening very less. Uh, uh last I was like watching a video that happened in Indonesia I guess that aeroplane like crashed in the sea but it was like due to some casualties and everything. Uh yeah so uh, uh to like coming to your personal uh, experience so far like what was the most dangerous flight you had so far and like did you ever uh, uh, get scared while flying you know um you do your best to not put yourself in a position like that um as pilots we try to have personal minimums and what that means are you know what are the winds what's the weather doing where are we flying to what time of day is it are we flying during the day are we flying at night um and based on your experience and your proficiency level 
you can adjust those minimums um, and, and try to keep yourself out of a high risk flight mission. Um, that being said, things do come up, unexpected things. Um, I was flying what I thought was going to be a VFR flight, you know, a visual flight rules. Um, and it was getting towards the evening and I was on my way back from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, back to Michigan. Um, and I was pretty early in my instrument flying. Um, I had I had completed my instrument rating, but I didn't have a whole lot of experience in, in actual instrument IMC conditions or meteorological conditions. And I was at night flying back. And so now I'm at night. I'm flying over water, over Lake Michigan. And then now I get um, meteorological conditions and I had to call in a pop-up instrument flight with air traffic control. Um, so I was never necessarily super scared, but it definitely had me on a heightened sense of awareness that, okay, I'm doing something that I haven't spent a lot of time doing. And now it's, you know, I got to really trust my my knowledge of instrument flying and 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 it, and it went well, but it was a good experience and I walked away fine, but ultimately looking back on it, uh, probably wasn't the best idea to push forward in a condition that I was not um, necessarily um, uh, uh, very well versed in. Wow, knowing knowing the like the no more I know about you, the more I am feeling great, you know, to share this same platform with you right now so like uh, as you said uh, it, you never got too scared uh, but can you like share uh, the first experience of like the first time when you got on a plane you started the engine and like how 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 was the feeling was it like a superhero uh, feeling that no i'm doing something that very few people on the earth can do so, so how was the feeling yeah no I, i think you're hitting it spot on i think it it's It's an overwhelming, you know, if you're not used to flying in a small plane, that's different than a commercial plane. You're going to feel every little turn, every little bump in the air that that happens. Um, so there was that sense of kind of, oh, this is different, right? So there's a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of fear. But once you get in the air and on that first flight and you realize, wow, I can go anywhere right now. You know, there's no roads you pick a direction and you fly to where you want to go. Um, it's a pretty neat thing. And and you're going over traffic and traffic's, especially probably in India, I, get, I bet you guys get some pretty congested traffic there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. a lot. Your roads are all backed up. Uh, same here in, in high populated areas. And and there you are just flying above it all, watching it all go by. I mean, it's it's a pretty exhilarating opportunity, I would say. Wow, like yeah, no traffic, nothing to stop. Just you know, wherever our eyes take us, wherever our heart wants us to go, we can like fly to anywhere. But like keeping in mind that there's a fuel limit that we can use, or else right. it, it can happen. Something different can happen. That's right. Yep, and that's your biggest limitation is is your endurance in an airplane. Um, you know, they do everything based on time not miles. So you put miles on a car, but you put hours on an airplane. So, you know, it is different. Um, I, you know, the other thing I should say is 
when you do your first flight, I also kind of minimized the idea of ground operations. You know, you just don't go take off into the air. You have to, like you said, do a pre-flight, start the engine, and then we do what's called a run-up. So you have to make sure the engine's running properly, right? And that it, it it's you don't see any um, anomalies in the engine data. And then you have to taxi. You know, learning to taxi on its own is something that uh, can present its own challenge, especially in what I fly has a castering nose wheel. So it's it can be a little bit tricky. Um, so there's definitely a lot that happens before you actually take off into the air. Um, you know, to your point, Anurag, it's that first experience kind of opens up what that whole feeling is like and, and all the processes. Wow. Wow. I mean, like the more I'm listening to you, the more I'm like, I was having this little bit of hesitant that if I'll be able to do it or is it going to be very hard when like if I get into the pilot course, but the more I'm listening, the more courage I'm gathering. Like uh, lately, my father was asking me to learn driving in, in the, on, the, on the roads of Kolkata and I was like a little freaked out since uh, like there is like a, a dif- the difference between your car and the car next to you is like of one finger or hardly of one hand so i was like very fr- freaked out that how will i do it and when even when my father is driving and i'm like sitting in the, in the back i'm like really scared that way, the way he's like moving the like the car and what if some casualty happens like car is something that we are like driving on on land and then there is aeroplane i mean no no work is less but Flying an aeroplane and knowing, you know, how to do it from from you, it's it's really a pl- pleasure of mine. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, uh, next, let's go to the next point. So, like as I have discussed with uh, previous professionals uh, like you, uh, the field of aviation luckily was and uh, and is created and supported by many magnificent people like you. So, I I want to ask, who's your aviation hero? Uh, I, I would also love to know uh, what was the best piece of flying advice uh, that was given to you. Oh, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, my interest—I think my interest in aviation—I used to work in aerospace for a long time, um, and there was a gentleman that was a consultant to our company. And he would show up uh, on his own time because he was a pilot. So he would fly in, meet with us, and he could fly back that same day or, or stay a few days. You know, he wasn't tied to the schedule of the airlines. And I remember thinking, "Wow, that's that's amazing." You know, I had no I, I had no thought about the idea of private flight and being a pilot. And when I saw him have that flexibility and that freedom. Um, and then he shared with me kind of the talk that we're having and said, hey, you know, you can do this if you want to do this. And and it really just was a shocker to me. I, I never thought before that you could just go become a pilot, you know. Um, so I really kind of thank him for putting that idea in my head and, and showing me that it is something you can go do. Um, and then you asked uh, what was the... Best, the second best, part of that question yeah yeah uh, uh, uh also i mean i would love to know uh, what was the best piece of flying advice that was given to you yeah i think 
don't rush anything when you're flying. From the moment you get to the airfield to the moment you park the plane when you're done with your flight, you really should not rush anything. Don't rush your pre-flight. Don't rush taxiing and the engine run up. Um, don't rush to make decisions during flight without a little bit of thought, you know, um, make sure you're making uh, the right decision. So I think that idea of don't rush and have some patience, um, it'll serve pilots really well. Um, you need to take your time and, you know, do your checklist. That's a big one. A lot of pilots, I see them flying and they won't hit the checklist. And um, there's parts of flying that it's hard to do that all the time, but you should always back up what you do with the checklist to make sure you're not missing something. And, and I think that's part of that slowing down, being patient and, and thorough. You know, that that's really a, a good thing to have as a pilot. Wow. What you said truly has a deep meaning and also not only for your aviation, also for the basic of life that we should not rush in, in all the cases. Yeah, very true. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, like you have a lot of great, of great stories and from what like we can see in your like social media accounts, you are seeing a lot of beautiful views from your aircraft window. Uh, so what's your most memorable flight uh, until now? Well, it's definitely got to be the trip I did out west. Um, we flew, my wife and I flew from Palo Alto, uh, California, to what we call the Four Corners area of the southwest of the United States. And it bordered Utah, New Mexico, Colorado, um, and Arizona. And it was just gorgeous. Um, I don't know if you saw it. And, my Instagram, but where you see some of the mountain flying that was during that trip. Um, a lot of challenges with that, that kind of flying too, because of the density altitude, but, but really most memorable so far. Oh, like being in the same aeroplane, uh, with, with, you know, the most important human being of your life and looking through the window and seeing the most, you know, beautiful view. It, it was for sure very heavenly. I'm, I'm really glad that you had that experience. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and you're right. That's, that's kind of what it felt like, you know, I'm there with my wife and, and these gorgeous views. And, um, and that was actually a trip that um, Jason Miller put together um, from the finer points. If, if you uh, pay attention to his, his work and what he does, yes, but um, he, he did a great job. It was a fantastic trip. Wow. Okay. Uh, uh, on a lighter note, uh, the next question is something a bit silly that I have asked my, uh, many times and as a kid, I uh, also wondered myself, uh, there exists an urban myth that uh, the contents of the toilet gets dumped over land or sea. So what, what's the reality behind it? Um, well, I'm not intimately, um, you know, aware of how that process works, but I have many friends that are commercial pilots that, that fly for big airlines. And my understanding is that's that's not true. Um, and you can see this if you go to an airport, a large airport, and when the planes are there and they're getting the plane ready to turn around and do another mission, typically you'll see someone comes up with a big hose and they hook that up to the back of the airplane. And that is to release all of the, um, 
all of the septic waste from the flight. So yeah, I, I don't think that's true that they actually will drop waste out on the, uh, you know, different open areas of the country. I'm pretty sure they, at least most airports, they, they pull up and there's a waste truck that removes that from the airplane. Oh, wow. One more incident that like reminds me of it. I was very like, uh, like very naughty when I was a, a, a kid. So I asked my parents about it and they said, why not you go and ask the professionals by yourself? So like it was another flight. And I basically used to go to Kolkata and Agartala because I was having uh, tonsillitis that time. So uh, like I, I approached an ear hostess and I said, what do you do with, with all the uh, all the dirt that is left behind in the toilet? And she was, I, I don't know why she uh, uh, like answered to me like that way, but she said, uh, well, you know, uh, we are like th- this thing that get out of the plane and it is like falling on, on the head and I don't know, on the houses of people down and like when you are going from uh, Agatala to Kolkata, uh, Bangladesh, you know, you have to like go over Bangladesh. So like Bangladesh is a kind of country if you like look outside the window uh, from the aeroplane, like you will see that there is this house of teen and mud and everything. It's like very uh, small houses and if like yeah. something heavy falls on it, the, the you know, the roof can even break. So I, I was, uh, I, I asked her again, like, are you sure of it? Uh, like is that how it happens and then she laughed and she said no when you be bigger uh, you will get to know i i hope i guess this today is the day she she uh, uh, hoped that i'll i'll get to know so thank you for letting me know about it yeah I, i think she was playing with you a little bit you know that that being said what i should mention is you know in an emergency if a plane a large commercial airplane needs to come back and do an emergency landing let's say after takeoff, they've got full fuel in the airplane. They have to get rid of that fuel before they land in an emergency case because fuel can, you know, especially jet fuel can can light very quickly. So they will dump that fuel out over the land to re- to remove it before they do the emergency landing. So there, there have been cases where that's happened. Wow. Wow. I see. Okay, uh, here's another question I have been frequently asked and I know some people aren't fans of turning off devices or turning uh, an aeroplane mode in them. So how bad is it really if I don't turn on aeroplane mode during a flight? Like what what can happen if I don't like, turn on the aeroplane mode? Yeah, I think nowadays the worst that's going to happen is you're going to run your battery down because it's going to be trying to find service. Um, it, it There's minimal to no impact on an airplane with regards to the, you know, the cell service. Um, and really the way the FAR or the regulations are written now is it's it's up to the pilot in command to determine if there is an issue with electronic devices interrupting the service of the aircraft. And especially large commercial airplanes, no, I don't, there, there's, there's no challenge with uh, or interference with the uh, cell phones and other electronic devices. Okay, okay. Still, I mean, still it's better to keep, like, when they say that keep it off, like, it's better. Like, But most of the people, like, when I'm flying, I see, like, they're watching some videos or something with their internet on. So, no one really gives much attention to it. 
but i i think uh, as a traveler we should be responsible equally and we should not like do anything that can be you know even uh, not good for our cell phones okay yeah so and, hmm. exactly i think it's more so i think sometimes it's it's just one of those things that has existed and and they they think it's better safe than sorry just to make sure that there's no interference one one more question that just i i just got in into my brain is uh talking about responsibility like there's a lot of responsibilities for pilot but as a passenger to you sir what 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 are the pass- uh, like responsibilities a passenger should have when uh they are flying the aeroplane um do you mean in a commercial flight or or just a regular private flight or uh, uh both like in general commercial uh, you know Yeah, I think well, if you've ever sat on a commercial flight, um let's say that you sit yourself down at a emergency exit, right? And you're a passenger in an emergency row for that airplane. One of the things that they'll ask you is are you willing and able to help people exit the airplane? So now you're essentially a part of the crew if something were to happen, um they're expecting you to help people you know get through and exit that um that space where you are um so that's you know that's something that you could be responsible for as as a passenger on an airplane um and then you just got your general responsibility of being helpful to others if you're knowledgeable on something i think that's being a good passenger but i you know in private flight it's a little bit different right because i could be flying the airplane and my friend who's not a pilot is sitting right next to me and he's sitting at the same controls as me you know he's sitting in the cockpit with me um in that case that's another set of eyes so I'll look for ways to help them make my job easier um they can look for traffic right so they can be looking outside to keep an eye out for other airplanes they could be holding on to the checklist and reading off checklist items to me um And I like to do stuff like that because they might be a little bit nervous as a passenger flying with you. And if you give them something to do, it kind of keeps their mind off um or or from wandering and and thinking about all the potential risk that they're that they're involved in. Wow, that's that's really a, like something we truly be responsible for. It's not like, you know, we only say uh the pilots or the crew staffs are responsible. We as a passengers we should really be responsible thank you for sharing this, yeah. this with us as well so as a summary to all the listeners who dream of reaching the sky uh, any advice you would like to give uh, give to the future pilots like like me who is now a fan of yours no i i i guess you know what like anything that's somewhat challenging you you have to keep the end in mind So there's times where you're doing your flight training that you're going to hit some plateaus or maybe you're not gaining skills or knowledge as quickly as you had at certain points of your training. So you definitely want to make sure that when you get to those points that you persist. Don't give up. I'd say that's the number one thing. And number two, you have to keep learning. So nothing is stagnant. in flying nothing is stagnant in aviation 
technology is constantly changing, navigation, um, the regulations and rules are constantly changing. So you're forever a learner when you're in aviation. You're always learning. So I'd say that is really, truly important to keep that in mind. Always learning, yes. Uh, to all the pilots, here's the, the greatest advice you can get. Okay, last additional uh, question. Uh, any, uh, any tips on getting a free flight? <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I don't know how, like, for example, are you close to an airport over there yourself? Yes, like the Kolkata airport here, it's uh, it's 45 minutes away from us. Okay. Yeah, and, and and here in the States too, they'll have small airports. Um, usually you'll have more luck at a smaller airport. Um, but if you hang out there, um, maybe you, you're just there hanging out, you're asking questions of pilots, or maybe you get a job on the airfield, you know, doing line duties where you're filling up uh, airplanes, gassing them up, um, cleaning the airplanes, cleaning the hangars. Um, those are all the kind of line duties that are there. And, you know, that's another way to kind of hang around the airport and um, meet people. And pilots love to share what they do. If there's someone that's truly interested in asking questions of the pilot, a lot of the times they're going to say, hey, do you just want to come up in the air and, and see what it's like? Um, and more opportunities than not but you have to be there you have to be at the airport hanging out at the airport putting yourself out there asking questions um i think that's really the best way to to get that free ride is just be a part of that community wow thank you for sharing now uh, now i'm like planning to shift somewhere near nearby you so can so that i can be your second pilot in the future there you go <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> perfect Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, sir, for uh, joining me today and discussing with me, uh, sharing your amaz amazing experiences and answering every question of mine. Uh, even though there were like a lot of silly questions, and but still, thank you very much for like answering them very uh, greatly. And I'm sure we cleared up a lot of things and shared knowledge with our listeners and aviation lovers uh, all around the world. Uh, social media of today, uh, our today's guest are included in the description of podcast. Please go and check them out. Uh, as as always, send me any question that you would like me to ask to our next guest. And uh, till then, uh, take care, everybody. Bye.